Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Outside the Sheds, St. Paddy's Day edition. For all of you who haven't had your lucky charms today, too bad for you, but we're ready to go. Welcome everybody to Outside the Sheds. I am your host, your 50% Shed Adamus, and here we are, week two of the NRL. Week one of the AFL. And it almost feels like this entire week I haven't slept at all. And some people might say that that might be the case. But I have slept. But I can't believe I've only got 25 rounds left of NRL football in the regular season. And what I mean by that is it, it time really moves. And I think that's why sport is so important to all of us. Um, that are into sports. Or maybe we should just say a pastime. If you have a pastime, something that you're passionate about, it really makes time go. It makes time just evolve so quickly. And and I remember just a few weeks ago where I was like, I just the season just won't start. The season just won't go. I, you know, it just won't get here. And now we're already getting ready to start the second week of the season. And I I don't know how you guys feel about it, about something that you're that passionate about or something that, that really brings you that much joy and happiness and love. But I am getting more and more excited as we've started. And which is very, very strange because sometimes that's hard to do. You know, I've I've been immersed in rugby league now for, I'd say, 10 years um, where I've been subscribed, where I've watched matches. There's five teams that I've watched every match that they've played for 10 years straight. But that being said, I've really, I'd say over the last five years, really just got into the in-depth process of rugby league and have really taken my, my love and my, my appreciation and my understanding of Aussie rules football, AFL, to a different level as well. And I know we haven't talked about it as much. and We've kind of gone as a primarily, I want to say, rugby league show. But that doesn't mean that I don't have immense passion for the AFL. And I think you're going to see as these weeks go on. Like I'm, there's, there's a few matches this week that are going to be incredible for the AFL to start with. And we're going to go into those a little bit longer and a little bit more detail a little bit later on in the show. But both games just, they, they, you know... There's some people that say that they just can't get into both games, but that's because you just can't adapt and let both of your sides come out because both games are beautiful, both games are intense, both games are physical, both games bring it, week in and week out. Um, I know there's some rule changes uh, in both leagues this year that people are a little bit concerned about, but I will tell you the NRL product, since we haven't seen how the referees are going to officiate the AFL process really as much, um, they've done some things, and they didn't have as much of a preseason as usual. Um, so we'll see. You know, a lot of times in the in the hockey season, they'll call the game one way all the way up to the playoffs, and then they let the guys play for the for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And everyone says it's the best hockey we ever see. So I'm always asking, why the hell won't we let the guys play that way all season long? I don't know. That's just me. That's a little bit of a uh, how should I say an asterisk right there? Why I brought that up, but. That being said, what an incredible week one. And as we go into 40-20 this week, we're going to go over some of these matches. And more of the fact is I'm going to give you the scores of, of what happened. Might give you a little bit of a breakdown as we're going. And then I'm going to hit some major points. I know you guys are very excited and you're, you're really concerned that I'm not going to go back to it. But how can I not go back to the guns? Because this is the first week of the guns since we've had our first week of the season. So we'll get into the guns and go over to the to some of the three best players, I think, from this, this week and some feel-good stories. But let's go into some of these scores. And I told you, uh, Yoshida Damas, yes, he got it wrong, but I think everybody got it wrong. Because I don't know if we really knew what to expect when we saw the Storm take the field. I don't think we knew what it was going to be like post 
big three era. And I know that last season was just the big one with Cameron Smith, and we know he was, wasn't the only player. I'm saying, you know, Pappenhausen and, and Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes and, and all of those guys were key components into that spine, into the way the storm produced on the field. It wasn't all about Cameron Smith, but Cameron Smith was the orchestrator of that team. And when you take off your, your orc, let's say this, if you take a band director out of a band, wouldn't you think the band would just play the same way? But a lot of people that are in bands will always tell you that band director means so much. He brings out the passion. He knows when to hit certain points. He knows who to get up at certain times and who to get down at certain times. And I think that's what we were really concerned about and, and questioning with, with Cameron Smith retiring or at least not going to play with, with Melvin until he finally did retire last week. And my God, I would be scared right now if I was every other club in, in the competition because Bellyache, Craig Bellamy is a master. That's all you can really say. Um, the bellyache way, everyone says in the, in, in the States, the Belichick way, the Belichick way for the Patriots. Well, we found out that the Belichick way, maybe not 100% the way after Tom Brady retired, excuse me, didn't retire, left the Patriots and went to Tampa Bay. And Belichick kind of looked like he was out of sorts without his quarterback and, and a lot of things. And don't forget, there's some players that, that, that did not play because of COVID and opted out for the season. But Belichick is showing you that maybe he's just the best coach in competition, no matter what sport we're talking about. Because to win as many first-round matches as the man has won and to really have your team pick up like they hadn't gone anywhere. I'm saying they didn't have Cameron Smith on the field. They didn't have Harry Grant. They had they they had the hectic cheese running the hooking position at dummy half. And they looked unstoppable. Like they actually left people leaving the match and a lot of the pundits and the people that think they know a lot going, huh, maybe the Rabbitohs, maybe we shouldn't hand him the trophy yet. Because they exposed that they are a small size club up the middle. And the way that the storm just eviscerated them by attacking the middle like that and then attacking the wings after they 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 worked them over a little bit on the inside, uh, really should cause some people that are Bunnies fans a little bit of concern. Because the thing is, you're gonna still have to match up with them. You're still gonna have to match up with uh, Penrith. You're still going to have to match up with some clubs that have a very big middle. I'm saying, yeah, we're not talking about them to win the competition. You know, anyone can. But just think how big that Warriors pack is that they're going to have to stop. And so I, I think that even though our mouths are still agape a little bit about how well the Melbourne Storm played, I think we have to also, you know, put a, put a real question mark on what, Wayne Bennett's going to do to shore up that middle for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. But the Storm beat the Rabbitohs 26-18 uh, down in Melbourne. So again, the Rabbitohs still have not won down in Melbourne, and it continues. Got that one wrong, but so be it. Then we went up to the Knights and the Bulldogs. The Knights won that one 32-16. Uh, I, I think the big thing to take away from that is that Trent Barrett's got a lot to work on. And I think a lot of people have tried to think that Trent Barrett's going to uh, just step in there and, and the ship's going to be righted and, 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 and away they go. And that's probably not going to be the case. That's, that's, they're still a, a team that's a work in process. Uh, they've got a lot of, they've got to figure out their spine a little bit. They've got to figure out the way they want to attack. Then they also have to figure out that they've got some major pieces that are coming in next year. So I think the dogs, even though the dogs will be competitive every week, I think the dogs are going to still have some things to figure out. And like I said, the biggest transition in rugby league and in sport usually is the difference with teams between week one and week two. Because you actually have video to sit back and to look at what worked and what didn't and what we need to work on. That is plain and simple. So 
I think the dogs are going to be even better next week. Uh, I think I think Kyle Flanagan played a heck of a match. Um, I think they've got to protect him. I think you can't let Kyle Flanagan keep getting hit after kicks like that. I think they've got to peel people off the top who try to hit him like that. I know as a, a member of the Habs, you are targeted. But you can't let them have running shots at Kyle Flanagan the way they that 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 the Knights did, uh, and the Knights did what they were supposed to. Um, now going with Newcastle, I, I think the Knights looked okay, and I'm saying you have to think that they didn't have Kalen Ponga, who's still with injury. Um, so they've got some major pieces coming back, but Mitchell Pierce looked well. I think I think like I said, I think Mitchell Pierce is going to have a, a really good season. I think that the weight of the captaincy is off his back now. He can kind of still be that leader that everyone knows he still is in the sheds. But he just doesn't have to walk around them saying, here's your captain, Mitchell Pierce. Um, and and he had he played a really, a really good match again. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Mitchell Pierce. I think he's a, a heck of a player. He doesn't make sometimes the same decisions that he makes on the field, off the field. But still, I, I think that the Knights can be pleased with that 32-16 victory. Then we went to the up, up up to Queensland for the the Broncos against the Eels and what a match that was. I think if you're a Broncos fan, you have to be very very excited about how the Bronx came out and played. They played with the spirit and the heart of Kevy and and I think that has a lot to say with where this club is going to be. I do not think the Brisbane Broncos are going to finish the Wooden Spooners this year. I don't think Kevin Walters would allow them to. Even though Kevy will never put on a jersey and run out on the field, that team is going to pick up the passion. And they played with passion, and they played with togetherness. And I think that's going to really come into pass for this whole season. But then you have to look at the Eels. Because they were a totally different team in the second half than they were in the first half. The first half, they couldn't find a point. The second half, they put 24 up. And... Again, the Gutherino, Clint Gutherson, again, shows me week in and week out why he's my, one of my favorite players in the competition. Pappenhausen and, and, and Gutherino, Clint Gutherson, probably are my two favorite players in the competition to watch. And if you think about that is they aren't even the starting, the starting fullback for New South Wales. And they're still my two favorite players in the competition to watch. And I, I think it's because of their the way they play. I'm saying Clint Gutherson might be my favorite guy just because of the heart that he shows every match and what it means to him to put that jersey on for, for the Pyramid Eels. So the Eels did come through there. I think they have some questions. I think those questions are going to really have to be answered quickly because they go up against the Storm tonight. But we'll get into that a little bit later. And then we went to, oh, by the way, I picked that one. So at this point, I had picked one out of three. But then we went to the Warriors and the Titans. And I think everybody's team, including mine, that is going to be the team on the rise, the Gold Coast Titans, came in and they played the Warriors. And I think you never know what you're going to get. First off, it was Nathan Brown's first first go at it as the coach for, for the Warriors. You have a team that doesn't have a home, even though I know that the Central Coast has been their home now, and and they really seem to have enjoyed and embraced, and they've got their families with them, and on and on and on. But we didn't really know what we were going to get out of the Warriors. I think we see a team that's finished really, really strong late the last couple of seasons, but just didn't do the the, the things they needed to early on, and then they had to catch up for points uh, later down the season. I think they knew going into it, it's RTS's last season. Roger Tuivasa-Shek is going to play in, in, in New Zealand rugby next year for the Auckland Blues. But they really played with a determination. The big boys got going. Uh, Cody Nikarima had a really good match. So the Warriors put it to them. They put it to the Titans, 19-6. And I again, for my pick, you know I didn't see that coming. I know the Warriors, when they play motivated, and play their style of football. They're a tough team. They're a tough out. They're a tough team to beat. And they showed that because the Titans, you know, David Fafita or not, just couldn't handle them. And so I think that the Warriors have a really good chance of making the top eight. If they play that brand of football all year, the Warriors will be in the top eight, which I think 
has been really missed. I'm saying we haven't seen a really good Warriors push into the playoffs since, what, 2011 with Sean Johnson there? And I think after that 2011 grand final, I think a lot of people thought the Warriors were going to be, you know, a team vying for championships for years to come. And it just didn't, it didn't come out to play that way. But I think if they play this style of footy, that they could be a very, very dangerous team for a lot of teams this year. Then the war, then the Roosters took on the Seagulls. Desi's back, back again. That's right. Des Hasler and his fighting Seagulls. Woo! Maybe I shouldn't use the word fight after that performance. Because Desi's boys ran into a buzzsaw. And those chooks, those those Sydney Roosters, they how do I say this nicely? They stomped, then stomped, and then stomped again. And that poor bird was tarred and feathered early on. And I mean a seagull bird. Because the Roosters put 46 up and probably could have easily had in the 50s against the Sea Eagles who barely could even scratch the surface and only scored four. That's right. Roosters 46, Sea Eagles 4. And it probably wasn't even that close. Uh, I think if you're a Roosters fan, you've got to be very excited I do want to point out that even though the scoreboard looks like a dominating performance, which it kind of was, I think we really have to pay attention to that spine for the Roosters. Number one, the injury to Jake, the injury to Jake Friend, and the question is, did is that the last time we're going to see Jake Friend on a rugby field, a rugby league field? You know, we went over this a little bit last last season on Outside the Sheds when we were talking about head injuries and and that we just don't know the lasting effects for almost the PTSD effects that happen from constant head injuries. And Jake Friend, there had been talk, if he got another bad head knock, that was it for him. Uh, and, and none of us want to see a player ever have to leave the game, not on his own terms. But you really worry. And the thing that, that a lot of people keep pointing out and talking about is when he took that head knock and went down, he was kind of convulsing on the field. He was rocking back and forth and, and, and looked like he was almost choking. I, I don't know because we didn't see it from the top um, to look down at him to see his face fully. But it was a very unsettling picture. And it really it really just makes you just hope for the best for Jake. Because, you know, the, Jake's got a lot of life left in him. He's got a lot of life left to live. And... You just don't want to see that not be lived up to its full potential because of head injuries for a game that he loves so much. So hopefully he is fine, but most hopefully that we make and come to a decision about his playing future and career, taking in advisement his head injuries, and, and that has to be taken. And I, one good thing about this is, Trent Robinson's there as the coach for the Roosters, and Trent Robinson will do what's best for his players. And that's one of the reasons I love Robbo, and Robbo's probably my favorite coach in the league. But that being said, let's go back to the other things about the the spine. And that is the Kiri Lachlan Lamb position. Because the question is now, does, does Lockie Lamb now go to the dummy half position and play dummy half? And what does that mean? Does Sam come in now, the big prodigy? Uh, does he come in and, and try to work the halves pairings with, with Luke Keery? Or or do they go in a direction after that? Because Sam Verrills is still hurt. Um, so we're not able to see probably the Roosters' idea of who the, the, the dummy half of the future is. But he's not ready yet. Um, and we've seen Lockie Lamb play that position, play dummy half before. Uh, I did a pretty darn good job at it. But... I think that is the thing we have to worry about because those that halves pairing looked a little a little shaky. Uh, yes, it was the first game, and that's a big question for Robbo now: is does he really want to move the halves around and not let them have that second game? Because, like I said, that first game is so tough to really tell because some teams are already given the championship, some teams are already said don't even suit up for the rest of the season because they look so bad, and we usually know neither one of that are the case. So Rob, Robbo, Robbo's going to be smart about it. He's going to know his team isn't perfect. 
but we really came away with some questions uh, from the Roosters' performance. And then to the Seagulls, wow, I, I don't know. Uh, Kieran Foran barely ran at all at 5'8". Uh, DCE did, it made some, some disastrous plays, which he usually doesn't make. Uh, and I, I can't sit here and say, and, 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 and we better pray that we can't sit here and say that all of the discombobulation, whatever you want to say, the, 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 the non-cohesion is all because Turbo is not playing. The Tom Travojevic is not in the starting lineup. It, it's very hard for me to just sit here and say that one guy is the is is the crowning jewel and the linchpin between a winning season and a losing season for the the Manly Sea Eagles. We'll have to see. We'll have to wait to, to to really watch that. But if that's the case, that's really really sad because they've got a lot of good players. I think Cade Cuss is going to come up. I would be playing Cade Cuss at the nine right now already. He'd already be my dummy half, and that's nothing against Croker, but. I'm going to say this. I think Cade Cuss has the real potential to be a special player. And I think that he brings something, because he's played in the halves as well, with his vision and his ability to run out of it and his size, I think you have to have Cade Cuss in there. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Desi just signed a new two-year contract with the Seagulls, but a lot of incentives and a lot of clauses in there. Um, I think that the team doesn't want to be caught you know, having to do like a million dollar payout if they do have to terminate Des. But I, I think that, you know, that being said, Desi's still a good coach. The question is, does he have the pieces in place to make Manly a, a, you know, reasonably dangerous this season? Then we went to just a match that I was expecting so much for, and that was the Panthers and the Cowboys. And at the foot of the Blue Mountains, those Panthers continued their march. They destroyed the Cowboys 24 to nothing. And they picked up right where they let, let off, you know, left off. And I still, you know, I'm not crowning Penrith still. I do not have Kent Penrith winning the championship this year. But it's, it's tough not to like that team for how much they play for one another, the joy they bring, uh, the happiness they bring for success for one another. Um, Cleary, Luai, they're only getting better, you know, week in, week out. So, you know, the Panthers look great. And for as good as the Panthers looked, it was as, as, as disappointing as the Cowboys looked. And that really shocked me. I, I really thought the Cowboys were going to um, show me a lot more. And I think a lot of that comes back down to, you know, drink water, really didn't do a lot at the fullback position. Do you get Val Holmes back there? You're paying him. You're paying him fullback money. I think you have to put Val Holmes back there. I, I just think that you have to put Val Holmes back there. You got to remove Jake Clifford out of the halves, um, just because Jake Clifford's not going to be there next year anyway. He's going to Newcastle, and I think you got to let Michael McGu- Michael McGuire actually um, run the halves. I think you you have to put him back in the seven like position like he was uh with you know when they made that run after JT left and made that 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 deep push. I think he's got to control the field. And I think it's putting Drinkwater at 5/8 uh gives you that creativity that you might need. But I think the big question coming out for the Cowboys is Todd Payton's use of uh Jason Tomalolo. And and the question is you know, he sat Tomalolo a long time in the second half. And Peyton's, his definition of why he did that, his explanation of why is that he said that Tomalolo has a seven-year contract. So he's got to look out for his best interest and just doesn't want to put him, you know, on the field for as many minutes as he had been playing because he's not going to be worth anything a few years down the line. That being said... If you're going to do that, you better find the right times to play him. Because I think if you watch Tomalolo play over the years, I think he's like a big freight train. You know, with more carries, more runs, he picks up more steam, and he becomes more dangerous. And I think even he looked a little confused about what his role was to be, uh, how he should go about this. And I think they've put, I think Todd Payton has put more questions in the guy's head then he has given him answers of what he's actually really going to do. So it's really going to be, 
You know, they're back up in Townsville this week. It's really going to be interesting to see the setup that Todd Payton's going to have for the team uh, and what they show on the field. Because I do think Todd Payton's a really good coach, and I do think he's going to get it right. The question is how soon he takes for him to get the right pairings that he needs. So, again, Panthers 24, Cowboys 0. Then the Raiders and the Tigers. Oh, what can I say here? Uh, first off, the Green Machine continued to be a machine. And they beat the Tigers 30-12. to And after all the talk we've heard about how the West Tigers were now Madge's team and this is the team that Madge wanted and, you know, he's got his, he's got, you know, a guy that he thinks coming forward, even though we didn't see Adam Dewey this week because of the, the shoulder charge and the and the, the ban that, that uh, prevented him from playing week one. Uh, we saw Moses Mbai in, in, in the 5-8th position with Luke Brooks. But I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to start with the negatives first before we go to the positives. The negatives, negatives I'm going to go first is, let's talk about the Tigers. The Tigers, McGuire preaches over and over and over. Madge preaches, you know, tough defense, tackles, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to be in the fight. We're going to be that team. And yes and no. Because that first half, they played competitive. They were there. Uh, they looked okay. Uh, I will tell you this right now. They're they're putting all their chips in the middle of the table for Luke Brooks to be that guy that's going to lead them to the promised land. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can mark it down. Uh, St. Patrick's Day 2021, March 17th, Luke Brooks is not that guy. Signed, Corey Jackson. What I mean is Luke Brooks is a good player. Luke Brooks is not a great player. And all of the talk that came out that Luke Brooks is the next Joey Johns, uh, it, I don't know if that was too much pressure on the kid when he was too young, but the, the mistakes he made in the first half, the kicking mistakes, um, I didn't feel like he fully took control of the side. Maybe it was because he had played a lot of the preseason with Adam Dewey in the halves and Moses was... A, you know, a, a new fit for him. But I, I, I've watched the Tigers play week in and week out for a very, very long time. And I've never once thought, watching Luke Brooks, that he's the player of the future that's going to take us to those promised lands. I've never felt that. I've never seen that. I've seen him have a good match every now and then. But he's just not that guy to me that is going to be the guy that leads you through that door, through that fire. He's going to be that guy that might be a good piece to have working with the guy that's that way, but he's not that guy. And I think I, we talked about this last year. I'm going to put it down again. The teams that are dominant have good, solid halves, good combinations. The teams that don't know what the hell they're doing in the halves position or their spine is an all-influx, or in flux, whatever you want to say, are teams that are going to struggle. And yes, Dane Laurie looked good coming out of the fullback position for the Tigers. He looked explosive. He's small. Dane Laurie's not a big guy. But for some reason, they think with Adam Dewey coming back this week, we're going to see the real Madge McGuire team. Well, the problem for the Tigers are they get to see the Sydney Roosters at Campbelltown this week. And... I don't see the Roosters doing anything but getting better. But I'm going to tell you something. Madge's boys better show something. Or it could be a very, very long season for the Tigers. Now, that being said, let's go and look at the Raiders. And Josh Hodgson was back. The Raiders looked good. The Raiders looked really, really good. And I think, truthfully, um, they're going to be a tough team to keep away from doing some pretty special things this season. Um, I think any other time period that the Raiders are one of the favorites to win the competition. But it's going to be tough because the Raiders are playing in an era where there are some very special, special teams. And I don't know if I would ever really consider the Raiders as a whole, what you would call a special team. I think they are the, maybe the hardest working team in some ways. And I think that they've taken on a lot of the um, personality of, of Sticky, Ricky Stewart. 
but I don't know if they can really get over the top of a Penrith or a Melbourne or I, I know they beat the Roosters last year, but I, I think I don't think they beat the Roosters if they play five times. I don't think they beat the Roosters three out of the five times. I don't. Um, so great match. They looked good. They put up thirty points, um, but. You know, what does that really get them at the end of the season? And that's what we're going to have to wait and see. But they did look good. They did look good. And I think that they have a real, real good chance to be in the top four at the end of the season. Then we finished out the round by the Derby. We had the Dragons against the Sharks. You know, the Dragons who had an, let's put it this way, less than pretty offseason, less than pretty preseason up against a Sharks team that, for whatever reason, they always have to answer questions about their coach, John Morris. Eh, do you think John Morris should stay? Eh, do you think John Morris is the coach of the future? Eh, eh, whatever. I'm going to say this right now. The Sharks win that one 32-18. They beat the Dragons. Give John Morris that contract. Sharks, Cronulla, listen to me now. Give John Morris that contract. Because they are a team that I think could do some real, real special things this year. I think they definitely will be inside the eight. One. Two, I think we're really going to see what their pedigree is this week. And yes, I know that's tough to say because, you know, Sean Johnson is still on the bench. But Moylan looked good. Chad Townsend. Chad Townsend looked really, really good. And I'm a big Chad Townsend guy. Chad Townsend, to me, he's never going to get that notoriety and press that I think he really, really deserves. But I think he is an orchestrator. I think he's back kicking again. Uh, when you know when he played for the in the juniors, he was always the kicker for his team. Uh, he 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 kicked for the under twenties team for Cronulla. When I saw them win the the, the, the championship that year in twenty thirteen, Chad Townsend to me is just a good player, and I think he's getting better as he gets older because he's letting the game come to him. Uh, and I think he feels a real sense of leadership that, of what he has to do with Sean Johnson out. And because he knows that Moylan's going to play a little bit loosey-goosey, a little bit more uncaged cheetah. That's my own. That's copyrighted, by the way, uncaged cheetah. But uh, that being said, I will tell you, I think the Sharks can be special this year. I don't know if they can win the Premiership, but I think they could finish five or six this year. And I really think that uh, they're going to do some good things. Now over to the Dragons. They scored 18 points. They were competitive at points, but the mistakes. Now, Corey, Corey Norman did not play in the halves. But I don't think that's where their weakness was. I just don't know if Ben Hunt should be playing anything but dummy half. And I know that, you know, I know that they put him back. You know, Anthony Griffin has put him back at, at you know, at halfback. But I just think that his best position right now is a dummy half. And, you know, we'll see. Because they said that, that they had some incredible practice sessions, you know, with between Ben Hunt and Corey Norman. And, and we're going to really be able to see them this week play together with Corey Norman back. But they've got a lot of work to do, St. George. And we we'll, we all know something. Uh, the the St. George Illawarra fans... Once they want results, and I don't think you can keep telling them, ah, it's coming, you know, no, maybe, you know, give us a week, give us two weeks, because that's not going to fly with them. And so, you know, they've got some work to do at St. George, but uh, 32-18, Sharks win that one. So when we look at them, I finished at 50%. I picked four of the eight. Uh, the Rabbitohs let me down. The Doggies I went on a limb with. Uh, the Titans did not play like anyone thought they were going to play. And I don't know what the hell I was thinking by picking the Cowboys over the Panthers. That That is me just thinking that Todd Payton is as good of a coach as he is. But you still have to play the games. So 50%, that's, that's not bad out of the week. We broke even. So we'll go forward from there. Now some of my lasting, I, I guess, bits from the round was, number one, don't sleep on the storm. The Melbourne Storm are here for as long as the Melbourne Storm want to be here. Change that. Put an asterisk there. The Melbourne Storm will be as dangerous as the Melbourne Storm need to be, I think, as long as Craig Bellamy's there. 
The big question to me is what that team looks like with Bellyache gone if he does leave at the end of the season like everyone's saying that he is. And I think that could be big. I think that could be key. But guess what? Bellyache isn't going anywhere this year. And that team, is it going to be a team that's going to be there in the end? So that's my one point. The Broncos. I said last, I said earlier, Kevy, Kevy's spirit was going to come through with that club. And I think it really did. They were up 16 to nothing at half over the Eels. The thing is, when you have a club like that, that you're still trying to get your quote-unquote uh, mantra to get your freaking spirit through, the thing that you have to remember is that it doesn't happen overnight. And that first half was all Kevy Walters. That second half was still that team that, I don't want to say they don't believe they know how to win, but they still are learning how to close matches out. And that's still, to me, a little bit of a hangover from the 2020 season. But I really, 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 if I said really, think that Brisbane is going to be a tough out week in and week out this season. They play their big rivals this week. They play, um, you know, they play Gold Coast. I guess they should say one of their two big rivals. But they play the Titans. So Fafita, David Fafita will be back up against his old mates. Um but I, I think Kevy's boys will, will again, fight and push, and, and it's going to be a fun match to watch. But that team showed me a lot um, against the Eels. I said earlier about the Warriors. The Warriors are a sleeping giant. If those big monsters, that, that, that big forward pack, can run like they just ran, they're going to be a tough out for a lot of for a lot of clubs because the clubs aren't just going to be able to match up with their size and their raw power. So the question is if you know we've always said keeping the Warriors team focused at the the, the task at hand is the toughest thing to keep them dialed in week in and week out. If Nathan Brown somehow finds a way to do that, I think you have a dangerous a dangerous side here. But if they go back to again this coming week, they've got the Knights. If they come out and look like they just aren't mentally there, again, we're back at square one. So I think it's very it's very interesting to see to me that that matchup this week with two undefeated teams, um, with the Warriors playing the Knights there, because I really want to see which one of these teams was that team from round one, and they both looked good. Um, but we'll get into our pick on that in a little bit. The Chooks look dangerous. That's all you can say. The Chooks look dangerous. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if those Morris boys, their hair ages a tad bit, but the game of the Morris board, the brothers, I, I, wow. You know, I, I'm almost at a loss for words watching those two guys compete on the wing like that. Uh, they're fun players to watch. They're smart. Um, you know, I, I, maybe that's what it's like if you get to play at the same club with your twin. But... I think the Chooks look dangerous again. I don't know why anybody would suspect anything else. They've got Rob, Rob as their coach, and, and Trent Robinson will have the best product to hit the field week in and week out. So the Chookies looking good. Um, and I'm going to finish it by saying something that I started to say when I talked about the Sharks earlier, and that is get off of Josh Morris's back. Get off of, of Coach Morris's back. I, I This guy should not have to answer week in and week out, you know, what his position with the club is. Um, does he feel the pressure for coaching the club? Let him just coach. You know how many clubs wish they would have made the top eight last year? And he got him there. And he's still under fire. And I don't know if it's because... A lot of people don't they don't they don't feel good because the way Shane Flanagan left the Cronulla Sharks, and so it was very hard to follow a premiership winning coach, a coach that got you know the Sharks to win their first premiership since their inception in '67. But that being said, look at the results. I'm saying, you know, the guys having to play without Sean Johnson right now, a key signing in his halves. He's piecing back, you know, he's got Andrew Fafita so hungry, he didn't even make the side with all the weight that he's lost. I, I, I just think that, I think that Coach Morris, 
needs to, to be given a contract. I think the weight needs to be taken off him so he can just coach and coach freely with this Sharks club. Because I do think this Cronulla side has a chance to do some good things this year. But the one thing they cannot and they, they don't need to be doing week in and week out is answering questions about their coach's future. So get off of Coach Morris's back. So that was our recap of round one. That's kind of some of the breakdowns of what we saw, some of my feelings about it. Um, going 50%, you're Shed Adamas. Come on, give me a little bit of a pat on the back. You didn't lose money. You broke even. But let's go to round two. Because round two starts off with tonight, 4.05 a.m. or in the morning, whatever you want to say. This match is going to be on Fox Soccer Channel, everybody. Again, 4.05 a.m. kickoff. Uh, The recording starts at 4. Because of daylight savings time, they don't actually practice that the same way way we do in Australia. So normally that would be a 3.05 start. But unfortunately... Well, guess what? We rolled the clocks ahead, so all of us are still trying to catch up on our sleep for this week. Well, that means that you've got to stay up either another hour later or you better have that TiVo recorder ready because uh, we've got the storm at the Eels. Again, I think the only people that beat Bellamy is Bellamy, and I don't see them getting beat by themselves. So I've got the storm over the Eels in that one. Next, we have the Knights at the Warriors at Central Coast. Uh, this one was probably my toughest match to really pick for this week. But I'm going to go with the Warriors in that big pack. I, I think if the Warriors really, and I'm, I'm, I do, I'm as curious as all of you shedheads, what we're going to see this week out of the Warriors. But if the Warriors play the way they play next week, I think they win. I think they beat the Newcastle Knights. They're playing in their quote-unquote home stadium. So I'm going with the Warriors in that. Next, we have the Broncos at the Titans. Like I said, a little bit of a hate fest there. Uh, you've got a lot of people that are that have been in with both clubs one way or the other, from ownership to players. They have flip-flop, blah, 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 Mal Meninga, you know what I'm saying. So, hmm, what do we do? I am not getting off that train yet. I'm taking the Titans again. I think the Titans win a close one. I think once again, you're going to see Brisby's, the Brisby boys, the Kevy the, the boys push the Titans. But I got the Titans winning that. Then we have a match that is old coach at new place against his old team. Trent Barrett is going to be hosting his old club, the Penrith Panthers. That is an 11 o'clock start on Fox Sports 2 on Friday. So be looking for that. Again, Panthers at Bulldogs, 11 p.m. Fox Sports 2. But come on. I, 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 can't, I can't pick against the Panthers. I just can't. I think, you know, a couple of years from now, that might be different when Trent Barrett gets some of his pieces in place. Um, the Fox gets there, blah, blah, blah. But I think right now, two different ball clubs going in two different directions. So I've got the Panthers in that. Next, we have a hopefully a redemption game for Desi. Uh, a game where Desi can maybe show that he hasn't lost his magic. Uh, we've got the Rabbitohs at the Sea Eagles. Fortress Brookie, because I refuse to call it Lotto Land. Ridiculous. Fortress Brookie. But the Rabbitohs come into Fortress Brookie. Uh, trying to right their ship. And I think that is the problem. I think a Seagulls club that has something to prove and to show against a Rabbitohs club that has something to prove and to show, I think you look at the players now on the field, and I think there's no way you can't pick the Rabbitohs. I think the Bunnies win that match. Uh, I think the Seagulls play better. I think Desi gets them to play a lot better. But I've got the Bunnies winning that one. Then we have the Dragons at the Cowboys. Up in Townsville, we know that with the mugginess and and uh, the, the the travel and everything, it's not easy for clubs, especially from Sydney, to go up to Townsville to make that trek that trek up there. Uh, I really am curious to see the the changes if Todd Payton goes in there and makes some 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 moves that I think would be beneficial for his club. But then I'm also curious about what Anthony Griffin does. You know how Corey Norman looks in the halves now. With Ben Hunt, like I said. So I've got the Cowboys still because I just think it's so tough 
to go up to Townsville like that, especially a team that I think is going to be very, very motivated to prove that that last week was not who they fully are. So I've got the Cowboys. Then we've got Roosters at the Tigers. Roosters and Tigers. Well, if you listen to the Tiger faithful talk about it, Adam Dewey will be back to playing the halves with Luke Brooks. But I think that you could bring Benji Marshall circa 2008, 9, 10, and I don't think that's going to make a difference. I think the Roosters, the Roosters are just the Roosters. And I think that even though it's at Campbelltown, I think the Roosters win that. Uh, and I, I'm going to say this again. I think they win that going away. And then the last match of the round, a match that I'm probably, I'd probably say this is the match that I'm most excited about for the week. And that's the Raiders at the Sharks. Because I really want to see how the Sharks rebound. Because don't forget, the Raiders and the Sharks played last last year in the, in finals. And the Sharks are going really, really well until a couple big plays and, and I would say some questionable calls really kind of flipped the script in the match. And the, uh, the Raiders kind of came over the top at the end. I do not see that happening this week. I see the Sharks getting vengeance and beating the Canberra Raiders. Uh, and again, hopefully getting Coach Morris' contract that he so richly deserves. He gets paid. Pay the man. Because I think Coach Morris, if the, if the Sharks are stupid enough to let the guy go or to fire him, I think there's a lot of clubs out there that need to scoop him up because I think he is a great, great... Let's not say great because you have to win a championship to be a great coach. But I think that he is a good, good coach that has the upside to be a great coach later on down the line. So... I said earlier, as we transition out of the the NRL talk, let's get into some, some other footy. Let's talk some AFL for a second here for a little bit because the season kicks off tonight. And the season kicks off tonight, and I'm a little bummed out because this is the first time that I can remember for quite a while that this match isn't anywhere on TV over here in the States. Um, usually it had been on Fox Soccer Channel, then FS1 or FS2, but it was somewhere. And I have scoured a couple times through my my lovely television, and I can't find the Carlton and Richmond match anywhere on TV this week. And I can't believe it. Um, I was a little concerned when they did not show Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2 didn't show any preseason matches, even though I know we only had a week of it. None of that was shown. And I was like, huh, well, okay, well. But we're only getting one match. We're getting uh, the Port Adelaide match. I think it's... Sunday morning is the only match that that they're showing. It's Port Adelaide. And I'm really kind of blown away because there's a couple good matches this week. But let's start off with the match that's tonight. A lot of questions. A lot of questions. For one is if some of these new rules they put in place for the AFL, does it really change the game that much? That's one. Two, remember, we're going back to the 20-minute periods. Um... The 20-minute quarters, so the shorter games are a thing of the past. Uh, we'll see how that how that corresponds with how the guys' lungs and fitness are since they played shorter quarters last year. Um, but I think the major thing is I looked at the starting lineup for Richmond today. They look strong. They look so strong because. When you've won, you know, three out of the last four premierships, titles, championships, when you don't have a lot of turnover and you only have a bunch of guys that have played together that love one another uh, and they all get to come back and they all know what it means to cement a legacy of trying to win four out of five because truthfully they really believe they should be right now four for four uh, except for, you know, one game where they just did not play their best. I just really am curious to see how that engine, how that train keeps on keeps on trucking down the tracks. Uh, and I think Richmond again is going to be there in the end. Uh, they are they. I don't know if I have them as my pick because I'm I'm really going back and forth. But it's to me, it's going to either be Richmond or Port Adelaide. One of those two teams will lift the trophy at the end of the season. And then you go to a, a young Carlton club, a, a, a blue side that is this finally. Their year, they crack the eight, make the playoffs. And I don't know. 
I, I really don't know. I don't know what to tell any of you on that one. Because I, it would be a great story. It would be a, one of the feel-good stories of the year if we could have that. But that being said, do any of us really believe deep down that Carlton is going to, or excuse me, is ready to make that, that leap until we actually see them do that? And I don't know if I can. There's a lot of clubs. This, this season is going to be cutthroat in the AFL. There are a lot of clubs that almost got in last year. And that is with, with a, a Sydney Swans club that really didn't look like they could, they could fight their way out of a wet paper bag. And that's not going to be the case this year. The Bloods are coming again. The Bloods are going to be fighting again to be in that top eight. So, you know, unless a team has a big drop-off, I just don't see how Carlton gets themselves in there. Even though they showed some, some, some matches of brilliance last year, I don't know if I can put them in the top eight yet. Now, that could change. I'm saying they could come out of the box tonight and come out of the gates and, you know, put Richmond to the sword where it makes everybody go, wow, Carlton's here. But like I said, I don't see that happening for a second. I think Richmond is Richmond until Richmond stops being Richmond. And we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But big match tonight. I definitely would be tipping Richmond in that. And for me, the last match that really has my interest for the AFL uh, opening week and that is the Western Bulldogs at Collingwood you know me I love a good hate fest and this 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 offseason how just Collingwood just kept dribbling it down their leg and that's putting it nicely and the number one thing they dribbled down their leg was at was letting Adam Trelor just the way they treated the guy to kicking him out the door and letting him land with the Western Bulldogs. And I think if you can find this match, like I said, it doesn't look like it's on TV anywhere, but but this is one to try to find the highlights to it if you can, because I'm really curious to see how Trelor plays. He's already come out numerous amounts of times in articles and in interviews saying how he was hurt, how he can't wait to get his revenge, how he can't wait to get his shot back at Collingwood, well, guess what? We don't have to wait long, do we? Uh, because that's the that's the opening match for both clubs, and I, that's if they didn't do it that way, that is kind of freak, isn't it? That that the 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 the, the lineup for this first week would be would include a game of that magnitude and with that bad of blood to start it off. Uh, I'm taking I'm taking the Bulldogs in that. I'm taking the Western Bulldogs going to Collingwood and get that first victory. I'm always about the team that feels like they've been slighted and want revenge. Uh, I always would bet that direction. I would always pick that direction because I just think that that's the team that's motivated. That's the team that wants revenge. That's the team that's going to do whatever they have to to get what they want. So there's our 4020s for this week. A lot to break down. Uh, You might have to listen to this a number of times to get it all down. But that is 4020 for the week. Now let's go to everybody's favorite segment right here. The guns. And this was tough. This was a tough pick this week. Number one wasn't as tough for me to pick. But picking in the middle, uh, I really had to kind of break it down. My number one gun of the week is definitely Ryan Pappenhausen. The guy, he's one one of those players that just makes your mouth just fall open going, did he just do that? Did he just do that? And he did that a number of times against... The, the, the Roosters, excuse me, against the Bunnies, just showing his speed and his size. Um, and like I said, he had the Bunnies on their back foot almost the whole match after that. So uh, Pappenhausen had 18 points, two tries. He went three, uh, three for four for conversions, um, two penalty goals, 175 running meters, 49 kick return meters, one line break, two line break assists, one tackle assist, one try assist, excuse me, and five tackle breaks. Wow. What a week, huh? That those are some stats. And again, if if he's not your favorite player, he should be up there in your top three because he's a joy to watch. Uh, I don't know how that upper lip holds that tiny little mustache in place, but it does. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen is my number one star. My number two star, and this is where I said that I was really battling because this could have gone either either way, but I kind of deferred to the fact that it doesn't really matter because they're on the same team. Uh, and that, my number two was Brett Morris. 
that that timeless wizard, what he did uh, was just remarkable. And even though he had the same amount of tries as Teddy uh, James Tedesco, I'm going with Brett Morris because those legs have a lot more, how should I say, a lot less tread on the tire. Brett Morris had 12 points. He had three tries, 297 running meters, 60 kick return meters, five tackle breaks, 10 tackles, and one intercept for a try. I'm just saying the guy just popped up everywhere and just kept on going. Now, Teddy had an incredible match too. And the one thing I will say about James Tedesco, he definitely went went back and re-put his stamp on that number one jersey for your New South Wales Blues. But that being said, I did lean with Brett Morris, and that's why Brett Morris is my number two star. My number two gun. And finally, I I know you guys are going to say, come on, Corey, come on, Shed Adamas. What type of you're showing too much heart, but I I'm sorry. This was a good a a good story, a good feel good piece, and it ended well because I gave my number three star to Ryan James uh, in his comeback match. It'd been almost two years since we'd seen Ryan James, but he got a try on his first game back for the Canberra Raiders. Uh, he had one try, 92 uh, running meters, one line break, three tackle breaks. And made 21 tackles. I think, I think just seeing the passion. Uh, if you watch any of the interviews with him during uh, the lead-up point to the match, what playing meant for him and getting back out there for his family and for his young boys. Um, but to see him get a try, if that didn't almost put a tear in your eyes, seeing that and his emotion. And, uh, and and again, I think no matter how much we look at these guys and and look up to them or. Or, or, or are fascinated by their their level of play and their and their athletic ability, I think we always have to remember they're human beings. And no matter if they're on the top of their game or not, they have the, the ability to question if they can still do it at times. And I think that's what you saw with Ryan James a little bit. And that try and the confidence he started to even play with after he got that first try shows me that I think he can have a really good season down there for Canberra. And I don't think you can have a, a better coach to believe in you to get the best out of you than 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 stick than Sticky because Ricky Stewart's gonna push him, but he's gonna also praise him for the good play. So those are my guns of the week. Uh, definitely let me know what you thought, who you thought should have been the gun in your in your uh, I guess gun breakdown, but those are mine and that's what matters. Your Shed Adamas' guns. But for outside the bubble, a lot of things kind of happen. Uh, you know, the, the free agency has picked up where the, the new, I guess at 12 p.m., the new NFL season allegedly kicks off so guys can sign and blah, 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 and trades are going down left and right, and Bill Belichick hasn't removed his phone from his ear for about three days now for making deals and getting things done. But I think the only thing that really matters right now in the states right now for outside outside the bubble is the NCAA basketball tournament that's coming up starting this weekend and and I know we don't talk a lot about NBA basketball but it is a big big thing because people pick over and over and over again you have a Gonzaga team that is going to be uh, who's trying to be the first unbeaten team through the regular season and through the playoffs since that Indiana Hoosiers team coached by Bobby Knight uh, I'm trying to remember. Was it 70? It was either 75 or 79, I think. But either way, it's been a very, very long time. And there's been some incredible teams that have got very close to it. But a lot of people are tipping Gonzaga to be that team. They think they're just so elite compared to everybody else. But I'm going to say you're going to have to watch out for. You're going to have to watch out for Michigan. You're going to have to watch out for uh, Illinois, and you're going to have to watch out. I think Texas is going to make a big run this year. Um, I think Shaka's going to have them playing very, very, very well. And I think he's probably going to make the deepest run for him and his club since he was back at VCU uh, a few years ago. But I think one of the big feel-good stories to me was watching Georgetown win the Big East Championship this weekend, uh, seeing um, just the joy in their face. And and I it, it stopped me in my tracks. Um, the, the, the Georgetown wins... A, a Big East championship 
the same day that Coach John John Robinson um, got the job at Georgetown years ago, and that his disciple, his recruit, one of his best players in his history, Patrick Ewing, uh, comes back as the coach of Georgetown and gets that Big East championship uh, by beating Villanova and then uh, by beating Creighton in the championship. So to me, that was my feel-good piece for the week outside the bubble. But have fun watching that tournament. I definitely will be checking out a few of the games. Uh, like I said, I, I, I love my NHL. I'm very excited tonight, uh, which I will be actually switching over to after I get done with you, Shedheads, uh, because tonight's the Battle of Alberta, uh, and I love myself. To me, maybe my favorite rivalry in all sport is the Battle of Alberta. It's the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. So, you know, who knows what we're going to get in that, but about, but a lot of hard hits, a lot of emotion, uh, and who knows, maybe some gloves dropping every now and then. But that is what I'm doing. But, Shedhead, that's enough about me. I am done with you for this week. This has been another episode of Outside the Sheds. I want you guys to really take in week two and week one in the AFL, but week two in the NRL. Um, let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about some of the new rules being implemented in the AFL this season. Uh, I, I, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun to see. I think. I, I don't know if people are gonna like it, but I think they're trying to pit, you know, push for a more uh, offensive game. Uh, and I think none of us can can disagree that the NRL has been very fun since it's gone a lot more offensive as well. But that being said, you guys have a great week. Don't forget, tune in to the match tonight. We've got the Storm and the Eels tonight on Fox Soccer Channel. But that's enough about me setting up your lives. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson. See you when I see you. Enjoy it until I see you. Peace! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.